Well, uh, thanks for joining me, Sam. This is a very special episode. Do you know why? Why is that? There's a few reasons. First of which is it is episode 53. Year which, two. Which means year two Woo-hoo. of the podcast, officially in season <laughs> two. Uh, the other reason it's special is because uh, you are the first repeat guest Woo. on the podcast. Did you think you'd ever get here? I didn't think I'd ever reach this high. <laughs> well, it's, it's a it's an immense honor. <laughs> Thank I you think. very much for having me. I don't know. We'll see. Um, and the third reason it's special is because we're going to try a new format here. I'm not going to do the whole intro, outro bullshit. I'm going to do the sponsorship right here in front of you because it's interesting and it saves me a lot of time. So welcome to the City of Champions podcast, sponsored by Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. How'd you feel about that? That was good. I feel a bit, you know, a bit dirty now. But. Well, no, this is good. And um, someone told me Joe Rogan used to do it this way because, um, and it was interesting because he and the guests actually would talk about the sponsorship as it was happening, okay. as he was talking about it. So sometimes the guests would like weigh in and say like, oh, I've actually used that product or I've actually used oh, yeah, that yeah. service. And, and it was interesting because like now he does it right at the beginning and people just skip the ads. They just go right through. Yeah. Like I skipped like eight minutes into his podcast and yeah. didn't hear any of it. And you can just you just you just press the fifteen second button like thirty yeah. times. Now people gotta listen to what we're saying. That's right. So go ATB. The, go ATB, go Alberta Podcast Network, which is a great place to find your podcast if you're ever looking for new ones. Go to albertapodcastnetwork.com. I think I know someone on that podcast. Other than me? Other than you. Who's that? Uh, Drink This Podcast with Matt Slingsby. Okay, is that a buddy of yours? Yeah, he used to work for Alley Cat. He works for Dandy Brewing now and does a bit of... It originally was like a beer podcast. It's now just spun and spiraled off into nonsense, but... So it's just him shooting the shit. It's him and a couple other guys, but yeah, no, it was always a fun. I was a guest on there too a couple of times. Do they drink on the podcast? There has been. There were definitely my episode. We had a few <laughs> common thread with you. <laughs> so drink this podcast on yeah. the Alberta Podcast Network. Great plug. The last sponsor of the day is the Edmonton Community Foundation. Any experience with them? I. Probably. <laughs> Probably without knowing. Well, the Edmonton Community Foundation exists to help people of Edmonton and area by encouraging philanthropy and funding charitable activities. The Well Endowed Podcast is a production of the Edmonton Community Foundation. On the show, you'll hear great stories about donors and what inspires their generosity. And you'll hear about the people who use our support to build and sustain social initiatives, empower youth, strengthen arts and culture, and so much more. You're really good at that. Isn't that, isn't that decent? You are good. One shot. You're a, you're a consummate professional. Well, if, uh, if we were moving on from sponsorship, <laughs> <laughs> the reason I wanted to bring you on the podcast, you're a man of many interests and many passions and, and an energetic speaker. Um, but the reason I wanted to bring you on is to talk about sneakers. Yes. Has anyone ever called you Sneaker Sam before? Uh, I don't think specifically that nickname. Yeah. Uh, I've been made, I've, I've, it's been known that I like sneakers though. That's just like something that people understand about you. Yeah. I shop for a lot of people actually now. Is that right? Not you get necessi- paid by any of them? Not, no, none. Uh, it's <laughs> not satisfaction? So, it's not like I go out shopping for them. Um, it's more or less like... For instance, when you when you sent me that text the one time, mm-hmm. it's things like that where I'll be at the Nike factory store, or I'll be somewhere, and it's always in the kind of the back of my mind. If I know people want certain sneakers or certain shoes and certain sizes, if I see a smoking deal, then mm-hmm. I'll usually send them a message. Interesting. Are there my, any uh, deals on right now? Uh, like, like it kind of depends. Like, if you go to like the like for instance, like if you go to one of the outlets and the back wall is on thirty percent off, mm-hmm. 
then if a shoe's on sale and then on sale on top of that and like my boss is a size seven and a half. Oh, that's a small time size. Small guy. Small guy. Uh, and so there's been a handful of times where I've been there. I sent him a text. And I've bought him. He's, he's, he gave me carte blanche uh, approval to just pick a shoe. If I think it's an awesome shoe and he, and he needs like a golf shoe or something, yeah. he said, pick whatever you want, any color. I trust that you're going to pick the right one and I'll like the, how it looks. So I've mailed him a handful of stuff. How, how does that power feel? It feels good. <laughs> it feels real good. And then, uh, and then, yeah, with a lot of like... Uh, soccer cleats I'll do that with I've actually been asked to go out shopping with mm-hmm. people for soccer cleats because they would appreciate my opinion and I weigh in and you've got experience working retail yeah. um, in in multiple different stores different places right like so yeah. you've got like it's not just there's a little bit of a professional interest there to begin with of course yeah no I started this, I guess the professional side of enjoying footwear and sneakers and shoes and stuff I worked at Golf Town and I ran the South Common Golf Town's footwear department for seven years did they have casual shoes or was it all golf shoes? There was mostly ca- uh, mostly golf shoes. Uh, near the end, they started to dabble in a few places. Like certain companies would have a couple golf edition casual shoes out mm-hmm. or like TaylorMade owned Ashworth clothing. Yeah. And Ashworth brought out a bunch of kind of older style, Converse style, style uh, mm-hmm. canvas shoes, things like that. There wasn't a ton of it, mm-hmm. but um, but definitely got to... to experience like the technical side of, of right. footwear back then but you're not finding like air maxes at golf Town. no not no. too often i could order them <laughs> but i wasn't able to uh i wasn't able to we were we didn't get me in didn't you work at sport check too no actually I, I was going to work at sport check and then i took the golf town job instead oh do you regret that you know what uh sport check didn't really get sneakers back then though they've only started going into streetwear for footwear how long ago I would say I would say they, that they've put a real emphasis on it, like mm-hmm. probably less than five years. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not obviously specific, but actually, I know the footwear buyer for Sport Check. Funny enough, like for what for Canada, for, like yeah, regional, yeah. No, the the the, the Forzani's footwear buyer for uh, Sport Check. What's Forzani's? Forzani's Forzani Group uh, is the company that owns Sport Check. Okay, and they're owned by Canadian Tire now. Okay, so Canadian Tire owns Forzani Group. Forzani Group was. Remember Forzani's shoes back in the day? Yeah, like I remember the name, but I can't recall what they were. Yeah, like. so they owned Sportcheck and they owned Forzani's and a bunch of stuff. Like they had a Forzani's in, in Millstown Center. That's where I used to like buy sneakers and stuff. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, no, he's the buyer for streetwear for Canada. Oh, okay. Um, and kind of decides what the sport checks will carry. Yeah. And then you allocate, obviously, which shoes and have quantities to different places. So does he ever defer to you? Has he ever asked you? I've asked to be an, <laughs> not unpaid. I said you can pay me in gear uh, yeah. to be an unpaid uh, to be a, a uh, advice advisor advisor yes advisor. specialist. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, I've yet to be called upon. However, one time he did test me on my knowledge of what I felt the next year's hot shoes would be. Yeah, because he had just come back from Nike actually at the time about what would be the next year's like hot silhouettes to like kind of pick through mm-hmm. and i think 90 percent of it i was i was right on so, really yeah so is that is that like your dream job i would love to if i could pick if i, I feel could, like if i were to pick something for you if that. i could have a job i'd own my own shoe store like if i had if actually if i could if i could start my own business mm-hmm. it like uh rob and justin down at foosh like i would emulate that in a lot of a lot of regards because that's kind of more shoes really mm-hmm. um and then i would incorporate an aspect of resale and like um 
consignment, so you can get some really cool. So you'd have new stuff and old stuff. Well, new stuff like a, a lot of consignment isn't old. A lot of consignment isn't. Sorry, just not brand new. Re- just not retail. It's resale. Yes, yes, it's resale. So you'd have like retail shoes, which are shoes that aren't you know collaborations and don't sell out immediately. And then you'd have your element of like Lexington Ave down in Calgary, for instance, mm-hmm. is essentially is most of it's going to be resale. Okay. So Shane buys. Shane gets the chance and buys a pair of Yeezys. He doesn't actually yes. want them. He brings them to the store. You put them on. We sell them just like Flight Club, just like a lot of places down right. in Stadium Goods down in, uh, down in the States where you, we would then sell them and and we'd take the profit sort of thing. Right. Okay. Yeah. So where did this where did this start from? Like where did your, your, your passion for sneakers even come from? Do you remember the first pair you ever owned? Uh, my first pair that I ever owned that I loved was a pair of Air Max Plus. Uh, Nikes back when I was in grade I want to say it was grade 7 or 8 what were those like? they were sweet they were purple with like this like black kind of blending to green like webbing yeah Um, you can still get them did you Uh, pick them out or did your parents pick them out? no no definitely my dad did not want those he did not want his son (laughs) having a pair of purple shoes Uh, they were like a weird like kind of grayish purple that kind of faded into more purple and then if you've seen the plus it's got like a webbing on it and it kind of comes down okay so it started dark at the top where the purple was light Mm -hmm. and kind of went to like a greeny kind of yellow color it was really they were dope um my passion for shoes came from honestly mostly soccer Mm -hmm. i've been a soccer player and a runner my whole life and when you play soccer like you only get one thing you get to pick right the rest like the shin pads the socks and all that's all given to you you can get high-end versions or low-end whatever but to me, it was always cool to have sweet soccer cleats. Right. So functional, but also stylish. Totally. Yeah. And when I, I was, my first job was at 13. And so... Child labor or what? I was doing flyers. Oh. And the reason was, though, part of it was, is like my parents and I, we didn't have tons of money to buy like $250 shoes. Right. So when my feet stopped growing, the idea was, okay, if they're going to give me some money for shoes... If I wanted something more, I had to top it up with my Supplement, own money. Yeah, yeah. So and you, had sh- you had a shoe budget from your parents. Basically, yeah. Well, like, I had shoe budget. Like I had like a back to school clothes budget and everything yeah. too. You know what I mean? So there was. So listen, like, mom, dad, I'm gonna wear everything of last year's from my feet up, and I'm just gonna spend my whole budget on shoes. Is that cool? <laughs> that cool with you? Oh no! Like man, it got it got it was hilarious, and like I've always been like on the technical side of things, I've always been stunned at like the differences and just playing in them myself and how mm-hmm. my feet kind of respond to them good bad otherwise whatever and so especially with soccer back when i had some expendable income and zero bills mm-hmm. i probably had seven or eight pairs of cleats at any given time really i still i still to this day i'll, I'll acquire new cleats wear them for a bit and then just sell them again you still play casually yep yeah. play, uh, i just signed on as div one men's down in calgary you signed on that's right like you like like sign that you, As won't, nice, sue, you won't sue them if you get injured. Like I signed on saying I would like to pay you a certain amount of money to be able to play <laughs> on this team all summer. <laughs> I will pay you if you let me play. Thank you. <laughs> but yeah, no. And so back well, congrats, then. Congrats, by the way. Thank you. That's huge. Uh, by, uh, but yeah, my brother and I both same size foot. So that was always good. My shoe, my shoe wardrobe doubled the second he stopped growing. Yeah, uh, and we both did. We both loved played soccer. We both loved cleats. So he's we bought younger, tons right? Of, a little bit younger, yeah. Did you think of like shit? I hope his feet don't grow any bigger. Maybe I should bind them. No, we. Like, it was definitely like we. His foot stopped growing one day. And yeah. Like, yes. 
and yeah, he definitely he, he abused he abused having my shoes to mm-hmm. use from mm-hmm. time to time. And then yeah, there was a handful of times he had shoes I liked that I wanted to try. Mm-hmm. But like for instance, like think about Nike. Nike's got four silhouettes of shoe right now. What does that mean, silhouette like style? Silhouette. Like? No silhouette. So there's going to be different styles of shoe. Like there's the Nike, there's the Mercura Vapor which has been around since 2002. Okay. And that shoe was originally built in 2002 for Ronaldo for like speed. Okay. So it was built literally around, they had their own proprietary synthetic leather uh, that they made. Mm-hmm. And the idea behind that shoe was to make it as light as possible and to create a, a base on it that had studs that weren't your typical kind of conical, like round studs in your just your basic pattern. They were kind of done on an angle and the idea was is it allowed you to cut and, and react more and be faster on the pitch. Okay. Also, they minimized weight. Then there was things like that had a bit more of a technical element to it, like the, the legend, so the lasers and stuff had, uh, and the Predator from, uh, from Adidas had special rubber elements on the top to allow you to uh, maneuver the ball and spin it more. Okay. So little patches of rubber. Yeah, it, that's, the, the Predator literally started by them adding like, like, just pieces of like hard rubber yeah. inside the leather and that would connect with the ball and allow you to you know, control it more um, and when, then but when you say sorry but just back up because I'm slow when you say Nike's got four main silhouettes yeah so um, the one is this first one they're talking about is yeah, so it just within the cleats section there, of their shoes or just in total in no in, in just in soccer cleats or just in soccer yeah they cleats. have four gotcha. silhouettes oh okay. in, in, in sneaker like oh my god okay hundreds Right. But yeah, in cle- in soccer cleats, for example, um, they have four. There's the legend, which is more along the lines of a traditional heritage boot, which actually have they could have five. It's we're not gonna semantics. Yes, but yeah, the legend, uh, the legend's more leather. Uh, they incorporate elements to you know reduce weight and to make it more stable, but to still give you that soft leather feel that people want in the front and the forefoot. You've got the um, Phantom, mm-hmm. and the Phantom is again another synthetic. Uh, they're obviously utilizing Flyknit in most of their shoes now. Flyknit is that new style of mesh? Well, it's just it's it's, it's knitted mesh. boots. Yeah. Oh, okay. It's literally knit shoes, so there's no seams, um, and then you can literally you can double up on knitting wherever you want to add more support laterally. Gotcha. Uh, and in those, they also incorporate Flywire. Flywire is the same idea. It's just a more of a it's a it's a tensile. Uh, rope or a, or a piece of material that will not allow it to stretch. So again, so once you tie it, mm-hmm. it can't stretch anymore. So it gives you lateral stability, but you build all this lateral stability up without having to build the shoe up with more leather and more stitching, etc. Right. You get let you get stability without weight. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, then they have the Vapor, which is the shoe that they still make, which is based on on speed. Mm-hmm. Um, and now they have a uh, what's called they have the Phantom Vision as well, which took over. Um, so we're all very like visually appealing names oh yeah it's, it's that's part of it too for <laughs> like sure epic. but yeah they design them somewhere around like the you know the the vapors designed more for speed and touch and, mm-hmm. and again originally i think you they brought it out more as long of lines of let's build a shoe for the different positions right. um which probably was the initial idea back in the late 90s and it's now evolved to just different types of play some mm-hmm. some shoes come with more control elements to them and a better and a better kind of upper to it to to allow passing and control the ball mm-hmm. some are more designed to be super lightweight even though nowadays most boots are starting to get lightweight because everyone's pretty strong and, right. and making a, a pretty lightweight chassis on it so is all the technology that comes filtering through these shoe companies, does it typically start with the performance shoes, like the running shoes or the soccer boots? Oh, yeah, for sure. And then it trickles down into the casual wear. Yeah, for sure. Uh, it All the the casual wear, you definitely see like the street wear. 
the trends change as they become as the technology for these high performance shoes mm-hmm. basically gets added to a casual shoe. Mm-hmm. Um, for instance, like the the Flyknit when it came out in 2012, it was only for the trainer and only for the Flyknit racer. There right. was only two, right. and it was designed to be the lightest, seamless upper you can get. Mm-hmm. As that kind of as they got better at making it, you added it to the Air Max 90, the Air Max One. Uh, when the Air Max One came out. Uh, I was turning 30 and so they came out and so I loved fly I love flying it's the a knit upper is the softest lightest thing you can possibly get yeah and it's the most comfortable thing ever so when it came out I had to get it so it's one of those things where as they've kind of perfected the performance of that upper mm-hmm. they then kind of throw it into their casual stuff to kind of elevate those those styles and those silhouettes but it's funny because it seems like you've got a con- like a cross section of like you've got new technology getting blended with retro style totally to create this kind of new dynamic look and feel in a lot of sneakers right oh for sure and and to be honest like a lot of the people buying sneakers now a good chunk of them is is that is the the age group where you and i kind of fall where mm-hmm. in the in the early 90s is where all these shoes are being released and they may have been kind of ahead of their time as far as physical, how like visual styles, mm-hmm. um, and they made all these shoes. And now that people are kind of getting back into streetwear, and people are starting to realize that you can be fashionable with sneakers. You don't have to wear a. Remember that time of our lives when buckled boots looked good. Buckled boots. Yeah, black black boots, black shoes with like big buckles on and stuff. No, not for me. Okay, well, what year was that? I was in grade seven and eight, so like. Ugh like 98 99 so when i was in grade seven and eight though it was well i was too young for black buckled boots and, yeah you were in, in you're in, you're in, ele- you're in elementary because you're how old i'm 32 okay so i'm only two years younger than yeah you, you have to say you were in yeah. you were in junior high yeah. then so but i remember elementary. those grades that's when skate shoes came in right yeah it was all dc yeah Etnies. and it was big it was bulky yeah. it was shoes where they're you had so ugly now so heinous like, yeah oh do you remember those osiris osiris have you seen the new travis scotts that he, he made with under armor no they literally look like the old osiris with those big hoops on the side oh man the ones that every kid that wore pajama pants to school wore yeah <laughs> yeah i remember those those were a big fad and then for a long time, I don't really remember what I wore. I mean, I, I think I had a pair of, oh, what the hell? I never did the Timberland boots. No, nope, I never, I couldn't do Tim's. I'm not that cool. I think I had some K-Swiss at one point. Yeah, yeah, those. Grade eight, nine. That wasn't a good time. No, but K-Swiss is coming back. No. Yeah. Gary Vaynerchuk is single-handedly making them a relevant brand again. Is that what he's doing? Have you not seen this? I'm sure you're aware of it. He's got. He's, got, he's on to his third model of sneaker. You and I have different views on Gary Vaynerchuk. This is a safe space. What, what are your thoughts? Well, I think he's. Well, he just he kind of spits the same stuff over and over again and yells it at you. Yeah, that's true. It's like at the end of the day, I get it. He he got to this space and he got to the the podcast space and and now he's kind of molded into that motivational mm-hmm. kind of speaker role. But he just got there first. I don't think his message or what he's saying is necessarily groundbreaking or more valuable than someone else i think he's just louder mm-hmm. more readily available mm-hmm. and more often more more available and was there first so his name is more recognizable versus someone who isn't him well i mean people have been preaching the same kind of things that he has for a long time of you know um gratitude and humility and kindness and empathy those things absolutely um but i think it just happens to have blended it with sort of 
a business culture that not a lot of people have. Like no, sure, one, yeah. no one before him was going like, man, I'm the kindest business guy out there. You know, like <laughs> I'm the most empathetic CEO totally, out yeah. there. But it's like he's kind of, you know, his del- it's it's in stark contrast, his delivery method and his message. Absolutely. And I his think deli- that's what makes his it delivery so effective. is kind of, he tries to do it with that brash kind yeah. of. But I don't think it's a try. That's just who he is. Totally. I like, don't you think you look back to his videos from like the early 2000s and he's the exact same kind of guy. Maybe turned down from 11 to like eight, yeah. but he's still up there. Yeah. But I, just, I think it's incredible when, when you've got, you know, adults who are, you know, starting their own businesses because of his messaging. And, you know, my mom said to me texts like, oh, I listen to Gary Vaynerchuk. <laughs> like, he's got a great message. I didn't like him at first, but I listened to a couple of his videos and he really grows on you. I think that's cool because I don't think yeah. you've ever seen people do that before. I think too, but... W- I think business culture is changing in general and it's beca- it's become easier to start a business. Mm-hmm. I think not necessarily easier to make a successful business, but it's easier to start a business because for instance, if you're doing a podcast or you're doing something social media wise, or you're trying to assist someone, you can have a laptop and yep. you know, set up at a, at a, at a coffee shop yep. and just start plugging away, whether it's an hour a day or, yep. you know what I mean? A couple hours a week. Yep. It's more readily available than if you go back 10 years it wasn't as easy because we weren't there technology-wise yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and yes, he's also just quite a lot louder than everyone else. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's people need to be inspired. People need wh- whether that's what they need or they need a guy like Tony Robbins or what. Absolutely. I think, yeah. I think it's a good culture. But anyway, I think it's cool that he's like all of a sudden gone. I like his mentality with it too. He's like either succeeds or it fails, and all my friends get to laugh at me. And it was like, remember that one time you thought you were so cool to have a sneaker. And oh, totally. Like, that's kind of a win-win, I guess. But right? that's the cool thing about sneakers, though. And like, is while I don't necessarily think I loved the K-Swiss, especially back when uh, you want your K-Swiss like this. Remember that, that commercial? Was that the 90s? No, oh, yeah. The late 90s, early 2000s when that was the commercial. I wear my K-Swiss like this. Okay. And it was guys doing whatever they're doing, like riding a bike or yeah. whatever. Um, the cool thing about sneakers to me, and that's what's kind of always drawn me to them, is that they're so personal it's not it there isn't a right or a wrong shoe to wear and mm-hmm. it doesn't it it's, there might be the wrong shoe to wear with perhaps the pants you're wearing right. or what you're wearing that day yeah but even still you buy what you find visually appealing and mm-hmm. you think is comfortable and you think are cool and stylish and to me that's always like i've always felt good when i come outside and i'm rocking a brand new like whether they're freshly cleaned or they're a brand new pair like walking out wearing a brand new pair of kicks that are clean looking good like you feel good like from the ground up you feel good yeah you think people are noticing or whether they are they aren't you feel good because it's your style and it's what you say to the world that was one of the things too like i've had like i have a couple pairs of shoes where if i wear them i'll get a lot of people like especially if you're in uh certain areas like if you're in a shopping mall where you're at a sneaker store like you're gonna get a lot more people noticing the shoes you're wearing Mm -hmm. um which is kind of fun when they go, hey, man, like nice sneaks. Yeah. But like a lot of the times I never wore those sneakers necessarily to get people to like, hey, man, nice sneakers. Mm-hmm. I thought they were cool and I felt cooler wearing them. That right. was it. Right. I just wanted to put them on my feet. And- so then if you're not doing it for other people's um, validation then and you're only wearing them because you like them, then when someone else tells you that they like it feels them, good. it's even better. Oh, absolutely. Because you're like, hey, I, I'm doing what I feel is right. And other 100%. people are on board with that. hundred percent. And like, I've always been, I, I've been a, not a, like, not a shopper. Like I only shop for certain things, but like I've always been the type that if I like something, I'll buy lots of them. Yeah. So I just bought lots of sneakers and yes, I've bought and sold a lot over the years. Mm-hmm. How many but, sneakers have you owned? How many pairs? Uh, my highest like side, let's say aside from soccer cleats. Yeah, so yeah. Like, if we took footwear, when I met Christina, 
of sneak of like casual shoes mm-hmm. and like I'm not saying ain't no sports specific ones yeah because I had a lot of golf shoes because I worked there and I got given a lot I was in the upwards of like 60s and 70s mm-hmm. without the golf shoes and stuff involved right. um, I got rid of a lot of shoes uh, so you I, had at one time 60 pairs oh yeah Holy easily shit. are you oh, kidding easily. me oh easily I probably bought Where'd you put them all oh I had just shoe racks and stuff okay uh, you didn't move Christina's a whole, did you dad, move a whole lot well, no, see, when we, so when I moved, when Christy and I moved in together, uh, she did not allow all the shoes to come in. How uh, did you select? Well, some of the ones, that's the thing too, like, it's kind of neat to see shoes, especially if you kept them all, you'd see how your trends changed yeah. over the years. And definitely back in the day, I've used to buy some shoes for the sake of they were on sale and they were kind of unique. Right. Not to say I didn't love them. Right. Which, that's what's changed. I now buy shoes that I love. I don't buy shoes that I kind of like. Right. Um... But yeah, no, I, I chose some that I didn't wear anymore and stuff that, and then I, I donated a ton to um, the Hope Mission and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I remember I was driving down downtown working one day. I saw a homeless dude rocking my shoes and I no. knew they were my shoes. No way. 100% because they were a pair of Royal Elastics. Uh, and at the time they were brand new. To, they're not brand new, but they were like a newer style to like, I guess, Western Canada. And they were sold at town shoes only. Mm-hmm. I didn't know a single other place that had them. And I bought these god awful like super white ones with like this crazy like so the royal elastic concept was there was never any laces okay and it was all an elastic band that went through so it was all slip-ons um but that these ones had like this crazy it was white with like this dark like royal blue color on them and this elastic band that like crisscrossed back and forth but not like in the typical place where you'd have a tongue it was like narrow at the top at the bottom and then got real wide and then narrow again like it was it really hashed back and forth kind of like um like radio waves exact for example okay um they were they were they were okay they were fun they were super light and right like, but like i knew for a fact no one else would have so you saw this guy wearing them yeah and did, i was super happy about that did you go talk to him no i was driving by like i was downtown and i was just driving by him i was super pumped about that what a quote did he look like he was enjoying them he looked like his feet were so comfortable like he was rolling in <laughs> down the street like get some fly ass shoes but yeah no so i had 60 or 70 pairs back then probably scaled it down a bunch mm-hmm. uh and then again like i said i sell a lot mm-hmm. so like i'll wear them for a little while and then just move on to a new pair and what's like what assuming that you don't mess them up What's the value go down when you buy a pair of shoes, wear them, and then try and sell them? Well, it depends which shoe you have. Okay. Sometimes, not a lot of the shoes that I've sold have I ever lost money on. Really? Even though you, so you buy them and then you wear yeah. them and sell them for a higher price? Uh, the, it depends who it's going to. Okay. I like uh, We used to work with a guy at uh, at local, that Ryan Moses, who was also pretty big. Oh, is he into that? Super big sneakerhead. Okay. So whenever him and I have, have dealt with shoes back and forth, uh, usually with him, I'll just tell him I'll just buy them for what I paid for them. Right. And like, that's the thing about the outlets too. Sometimes in amongst the copious amounts of random shoes, there's right. some real gems in there. You get some diamonds in the rough. Gems that perhaps released and then Nike didn't sell all the pairs yeah. or some didn't sell offline and they ship them from a warehouse to an outlet store and you were there the day they were out. Mm-hmm. Um, so those ones, like friends of mine, I'll just usually try and get my money back and make it even. Yeah. What size your feet? Nine and a half. Oh. Ten. Or nine. Or ten and a half. <laughs> I'll wear any, I'll, I'll wear a lot of sizes. Okay, so you got some 10, 10 and a half, so you might be looking to flip for a I got some 10, 10 and a half. I got some 10, 10 okay. and a half. Right. Uh, but yeah, and so, but like, depending on which shoes, I've, we've, my brother and I, we've only resold one pair of Yeezys that we, that we want to draw for. Yeah. Uh, so those so we got. entered a draw, so you had the right to buy them. Correct. How, what was the retail on those? Retail is 315. They're 300 bucks plus tax. Yeah. Uh, and you know, we kind of love that GST. Yeah. Fucking HST. Uh, and then we sold them for more. 
A lot more? Come on. More. How much? 750. 750. Yeah, at the huh. time the black it was black there were the Oreos of the V2s, okay. 350 V2s. Okay. Uh, and at the time they had just released the reds, <clears throat> the Oreos and there was like an olive green color with the stripe on the side. Okay. All black with that stripe with a red, green or our whites. And at the time when those came out, they all came out in the same quantities, but the other two colors came out in higher quantities in Edmonton. Okay. So Foot Locker, for instance, doesn't get told how many pairs they get of any size or any color. They get shipped a shipment, and when you line up, you sign your name down. Again, if you're drawn, mm-hmm. so Shane might put his name down for the size 11s. Yeah. If no one else puts their name down for size 11, you just get to buy the size 11s if they're there. Right. If they only get one nine and a half, and they have 250 people sign up for the nine and a halves, then one of 250 gets it. If they have two pairs of 11s and two people. So you're own. you're putting your name in for a particular size. One size, one color. Wow. Yeah. Okay. And then yeah, you get called and they they say, do you want to come buy? You were drawn. Do you want to come buy these shoes? So you won this this one. My brother won this one. Yeah. His name was drawn for that one. And how we did won you those. manage to? How did you manage to snake your way to that sale? Oh, him and I do all that together. Oh. Okay. So we do. I do a lot of it with soccer cleats too. There's a website online. Uh, uh, what's it called? Uh, but yeah, sideline swap. And so okay. sideline swap is, a, is for athletic footwear only. Mm-hmm. And there's a soccer division. And so we were doing that for a long time where him and I would find soccer cleats, mm-hmm. uh, get them all cleaned up, make them look nice again. But again, if it's a, if it's a high-end pair, like the top line, uh, you can put that online and sell that down the States. Mm-hmm. And this website in particular takes a cut of the uh, seller. Mm-hmm. So if I put them on for 50 bucks, they take the 7% or whatever it is. And then the buyer pays shipping. So the second that Shane buys from me, mm-hmm. I get sent a I get sent an invoice and a shipping label, slap it on the box, throw it in the mail, no other cost to me, and it's off to this guy, and then that money is deposited into my like online account. How do they mitigate fraud? Like if you if you advertise that they're like brand new condition, we do pictures and stuff. You can't. I don't think that a lot of those places will have like a guarantee. Like we like. You like, those ones are sight on scene, but like places that mitigate fraud are like Goat and StockX. Mm-hmm. Those websites you ship to them first. Right, they, they verify, it, verify, and send back and send to the buyer. Interesting. Yeah, so those ones are those ones because with like performance footwear and soccer and and I'm and basketball is a bit different because basketball has a lot of counterfeits. Mm-hmm. Soccer is a little bit less. Same with hockey and lacrosse and stuff like that and football, which is what could they kind of deal with that gear more? What do you mean by hockey? Like hockey shoes, sticks. Oh, okay. Oh, they do all all sports. Yeah, all equipment. Um, Those ones are a little, there's a little bit less counterfeit, I believe, in that area. Um, But yeah, technically, it's buyer beware on their regard. Right. There's probably some type of insurance you pay for. And if someone sends you something and Mm -hmm. you get sent a box with a picture in it, Mm -hmm. that's a little bit different. But you take a look at it and you're able to to analyze it. You can chat with them back and forth. Yeah. Sometimes those guys will ask for like additional pictures if they're really unsure. Right. Which happens all the time. So with the, the Yeezys, for example, so like collaborations between a brand and an artist yeah. or, a, or, you know, an actor, whatever it is, some type of celebrity, right? Some type of notable person. Now, if these people have a big following, is whatever they come up with and release, is it inevitably successful or do they bomb and flop sometimes? There's definitely some that have that I've missed but I think a lot of the times the success of the the a lot of them don't design their own shoe mm-hmm. a lot of them take a current style mm-hmm. and a current version of a shoe that someone makes and they throw their their kind of their color scheme to it their kind of like touch to it uh, like think of the the Travis Scott Cactus Jacks that just came out 
They were the Air Jordan 4s. Sure. They, he just designed it color-wise. Mm-hmm. Jordan obviously was kind of like the Jordan brand obviously did it first. Mm-hmm. And they were the ones that really kind of jumped into collaborations and let people design the shoes. They, the shoe itself remains identical. Mm-hmm. They just get to pick the color scheme. Oh, okay. I see. Yeah. So that the Air Jordans are a, a rare rarity in that sense in which like those were designed in conjunction with Jordan. Well, yeah, they Every do it all the time. One, yeah. right? Every single one you get in. So when you get in, when you do an Air Jordan collaboration, you get invited there. Um, mm-hmm. You get to sit down with their engineers, mm-hmm. talk about textiles, talk about patterns. Talk when about you're places. redesigning one of the previous models, right? But no, but yeah, but with Jordan, no yeah. one really designs their own shoe. Mm-hmm. Whereas like with, with uh, Kanye, for an example, the Yeezys were him designing a shoe. Yeah. He, he wanted to start getting into fashion and designing shoes. That's what Adidas gave him was a, was a platform to actually design his own shoe. Right. That is far more rare. A lot of the shoes you see uh, are people taking shoes and just exi- like changing the color scheme on them, right. changing some aspect of them, whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So who are the most influential designers right now? And, and it's usually the designer more so than the actual company, right? Because sometimes those top designers will switch Yeah, companies. well, obviously, like the Off-White with uh, collaboration with Virgil's huge right now. They're kind of into their third generation of color schemes. Okay, so back it up. Virgil. Who? Who? Vir- Virgil. <laughs> he's now the design. He's now the... Who is he with? Virgil? Yeah. I can't remember. He uh, Not Versace, no. Louis Vuitton. There you go. And yeah, so he before before he got signed to be their head designer, mm-hmm. he was he did what's called Off White, and Off White was a clothing brand, and he designed his own clothing. His uh, his clothing and his shoes and stuff that he designed always came out kind of more of like a when you're designing a shoe, you'd write on it what you want to do and how you want to design the shoe, and that was kind of how he designed his clothing was to look at that a lot of checkers as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's what he would he would it was kind of like an in an in-process version of a shoe where it hasn't been finalized. It's showing you kind of like the ideas behind it. And so then he did the 10, which came out last year, mm-hmm. in which he took 10 iconic silhouettes from Nike, mm-hmm. redesigned them. And if you looked at it, it's like a broken down version of the shoe itself. It's like as if they sat there and tacked on a Nike swoosh to see where it would look good. Right. And then he just left it there with the tacks in it. Um, huh. Uh, he wrote on there like and, and a lot of the footwear when they're changing how they'll change like the sole or the midsole or whatever they'll write like we're going to put foam here or we're going to put zoom x foam here or we're going to put the react foam here mm-hmm. they'll write on there what they want to do to kind of change it so that when you're looking at the shoe as a design afterwards someone can look at it and go okay cool this is what they've designed so far but they're going to change this to the react foam or this because gotcha. they may not have a sole a lot of the times that'll happen too where they don't have a sole necessarily designed for that footwear yet mm-hmm. for the last right. um but, but they, they still need to move forward with the other elements. Issue. Totally. And yeah. you can't do that necessarily unless you have a fun- functioning piece of footwear. Right. So they might just add a sole onto there and that allows them to to move forward mm-hmm. knowing, okay, cool, we're going to design this sole and it's going to be made of this foam. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't have to be done right now because we're going to figure the rest out. And that out. was the idea behind this line, the Virgil. Yeah. Right? Well, it's yeah, kind did of he like, do it officially for Nike or is this yeah. is remaking Nike's? No, he was okay. he did that for Nike. Like he he was signed on to do that collaboration. Collaborations are getting a lot bigger now because that's where a lot of a the resale market is. Mm-hmm. The resale market is an interesting marketing ploy because it gets people to buy Nikes, mm-hmm. and it almost causes instant sellouts of all things. Right. Always, yeah. Um, plus, it drives the brand as well with consumers in general because they're excited to buy the brand, and mm-hmm. so when you get a chance to buy it, you buy it immediately. 
but then you can look at other things as well and then all of a sudden now you're really hyped up or out maybe the Air Jordan 1s because right. you saw the Virgil ones right. and now you want to try these other pairs right it's called unrequited demand yeah right and they're yeah you're, they're building a buzz, but also too they're they're basically funding a whole market. Um, the resale market is like a hundred and in two in two thousand sorry in two thousand and thirteen there's a there's a TED talk on this actually mm-hmm. and in two thousand and thirteen if you took all resold shoes and considered that a brand of footwear okay it was the second most profitable brand out there it was really bigger than Adidas so what was the top. Like, would have beat it. It was Nike, Nike yeah. resold and shoes, resold, Adidas, and then, and then, then everybody else. Yeah. So the value of every single resold shoes came only second to Nike. Value yeah. of shoes. And that they, they that the market for resold shoes mm. is that big. Yeah. Um, there's 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 resellers in the states that when they were like there's um, there's resellers in the states that get full size runs of shoes mm-hmm. and they buy them for cost, the retail cost, whatever it is, and then they resell them to uh, like Sneaker Don is a, was a 13 year old kid. He literally got his money um, when he turned 13 mm-hmm. um, and spent it on two full size runs of shoes. Right. Now he sells shoes to, to Fat Joe and he sells shoes to all these, all these massive celebrities because yeah. he gets limited releases in full size runs and they'll call him and he'll charge them you know, $1,000 for the shoe. How does he get access to these limited releases? Those, they call them the sneaker plugs. Okay. You have an inside contact somehow. Okay, and so he knows someone at Nike or Adidas. He knows and, someone through somewhere yeah. that can that can get him size runs. And sometimes those plugs are guys that are on the shadier side of things and work at like a Foot Locker. And so right. they'll work at an obscure Foot Locker in the States and they'll guarantee their buddy like, okay, I'll give you 10 pairs mm-hmm. for retail, mm-hmm. guaranteed, and then you just give me one, and then you're gonna sell the rest of these for everybody else. Right. So there's the shady way, and then there's also guys that just work in the in the company, and that's part of it. There's actually, like, you have, when you're a Nike athlete, or you're a Nike-sponsored person of any sort, you have a person assigned to you, and those guys are the ones that come through sometimes with getting you a pair. Mm-hmm. These guys just happen to have bought so many and become such a, a frequent buyer, they get kind of preferred access right that unrequited demand though that that a company like nike would <clears throat> would um would exercise not producing enough to really ever satisfy the full demand of the of the product um can does that only work if you're a massive company like most companies are are built and and can succeed by trying to just just short demand right like yes. just enough supply that you pretty much meet demand but nike can obviously drastically undercut that because they're so big yeah I think part of it too comes down to the fact that if you're in, if it's on trend and cool at the time, because there's a lot of brands that necessarily aren't Nike and they don't produce shoes for the entire world, mm-hmm. but they can produce a limited release shoe, whether that limited release shoe is a hundred pairs or that limited release shoe is 20,000 pairs, whatever right. it is. But isn't the struggle, like if you're only producing a hundred, like hitting economies of scale, like it costs cost far more per unit to produce 100 than it would to produce 20,000. Right? Yes, for sure. Um, it would absolutely cost more and your, your cost of goods goes up because you're buying enough for those hard shoes versus mm-hmm. you can pay less for more stuff if you're pay- buying 20,000. But I think a lot of it too is is it, a lot of these like limited release shoes aren't being sold. They're going to make you money, but they're not being sold to make them that money. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of limited release shoes are designed to drive kind of the marketing aspect and like the notoriety of the brand and right. get some kind of beh- something behind it because most people don't so it's branding versus sales totally yeah. i think a lot of it is they're going to make money on this sure but they're using it as a way to kind of improve their name and to get people right. behind them yeah 
and then you're sitting there and saying, okay, cool, well, they've released five new limited releases. Oh, okay. These are sweet. I like these shoes. Maybe I'll check out their regular everyday stuff that they do make 20,000 pairs right, of, and okay. they do make you know a larger amount of money on. And then my other question with this is, um, do companies ever try and claw, like, do they try and claw back some of this profit that's being made on the backs of their product? Pro, um, their products? I don't think they want to. Like, I don't think so. Like, I, I, I don't have an answer to that. Like, would Nike? Do you think there's ever some like insidious plot where it's you know they they sell out all their shoes from their store and then open up their you know their sub retailer or whatever that resells the shoes and if their margins are up, you know. Well, to my knowledge, 100%. they don't own any of the sneaker stores that are like reselling. Um, so that would be. I think that would be a tough game to get into. Mm-hmm. But I think it it provides so much marketing and so much extra behind it that they're just happy to it's move still the worth shoes. still it, right? Yeah, Their products still are still getting sold 100%. for more than, more than what they sold them for. Also too, then you're kind of, you're the value of a shoe to you. So let's say for instance, okay, so the Vapor Max uh, that Nike released with, it, it's an all air bubble sole flying it upper uh, that they released last year. Mm-hmm. So when the Virgil ones and all the collaborations come out, they're in the 300s, the dollar wise. So then your value of that shoe, your perceived value is that it should be a 300 some dollar shoe. Now right. that value is increased because it's a collaboration, it's limited edition. Mm-hmm. So I think part of it is is to kind of make the, the original price that they want to sell it for. So that shoe sold for 250, that's the original price of it. Right. If you don't buy a collaboration, you just go to Sport Check or go to you know wherever, it's gonna be 250. Mm-hmm. So to me, a part of it is that they wanna make your perceived value be so much higher than the actual retail value of the, the everyday versions yeah. that you go to and go. You don't think twice about spending yeah. 350. 250? Yeah. Man, I'd spend 350 on the Virgils. Right. You know what, I'll take this one for 250. That's a great deal. Yeah, that makes um, sense. Very, very uh, interesting dynamics when it comes to that. And like what, what goes into determining the value of a shoe? So say you buy some you know limited edition collaboration and you don't wear them, you keep them in the safe for yeah. you know, five, 10 years. Market. How do you guarantee if they go up or down? It's, you can't, you don't. Like a lot of this, a lot of the stuff that's gone up in price, uh, people bought hoping it would go up in price and like back when you know, shoes were coming out and you knew they were re-releasing Black Cement 2s. So Black mm-hmm. Cement 3s, sorry, um, back in 2008, I wanna say, um, you knew okay, this is a re-release. So already the Black Cement 3 is one of the most known Air Jordan ever. The re-release is the exact same shoe, but they have a different heel tab on it. So it's an easy to notice what year that shoe was produced. Mm-hmm. And then you, people, a lot of people are buying two pairs, one to rock, one to stock. And you throw one into the one into the back. A lot of guys will throw them in the freezer, like keep them, keep them cold. Keep, Actually? Keep them on ice. And really? you and then you sit there and nowadays we're getting a lot better as far as sneaker displays and like airtight containers and stuff. Mm-hmm. But people were buying it to have as a display piece and then you hold on to it for a decade, mm-hmm. that shoe increases in value. Sometimes they don't though. It's all depends on the on the kind of the volume that was produced. Right. And yeah, you're kind of taking a gamble, but that was the whole sneaker market in general. What's uh, what's a pair that you that you regret either buying or not buying? I've never actually regretted buying a pair. Okay. I've ne- I've never experienced buyer's remorse yeah. uh, from buying a pair of shoes. I've missed out on pairs, mm-hmm. uh, which I've regretted. Uh, there was a pair of um, Air Max One uh, Ultras that were the Safari, the blue Safari, mm-hmm. uh, that I that was at the Nike store that I, I regret not buying. Um, a ton. They did a they 
They, there was an Air Max 90 Lunars that were at the Nike store, but I moved on to Calgary. That were literally there the day I was leaving. I didn't buy them. I regret those guys. They were the OG colors, the infrareds. Mm-hmm. Um, I have lots. I this so, year I something. Like, the moral of the story is is buy, buy. Repair. go with your go with your, your guy. guy. At the end of the day, the nice thing is, especially if you're buying it from a and from a from an outlet store. If you really regret buying them, you likely can get your money back. There's Kijiji, mm-hmm. there's Goat, there's StockX if you really want to try and put it on there. Sometimes it's not, as, if it's not a high demand shoe, you're kind of just putting it on there to waste time. Right. There's eBay. You've all these places to move a shoe and to sell something. Yeah. Um, Facebook Marketplace, all these places now. That if you want to move a shoe and maybe you only lose $8, like $10 because you sell it for 10 bucks less, whatever. Right. There's lots of that. It's really easy now. So, but the thing is, is I've only ever regretted not having shoes. <laughs> What's been your favorite pair of all time? I bought them this year. So really? I bought I I when I was like back in the day to me the the iconic and it's not by any means like unique. Everyone loves the Black Cement 3s. But for years I didn't get them the last couple of releases that they were released. I was never able just never had the luck to get them. Mm-hmm. And this year uh, my brother kindly enough I was unfortunately unable due to some other stuff going on uh, able to wait in line. And he waited outside Foosh for me uh, in Minus, I think it was minus 25 wow. for a few hours. Uh, and then when they were released online at Foot Locker, he ended up snagging his pair, th- my pair there. Mm-hmm. But he was going to wait in line till they opened at 10 to to buy them for me. We'll buy them with you, buy them for me, pay them back, whatever. But I finally got those uh, last year. The black cement threes. Yeah. With the, with the heel tab? The with, with, heel Nike tab? Air, with Nike Air heel tab. Nike Air. So they haven't tab. done the Nike Air for a long time. There's been the Air Jordan one with the Jumpman on it. Yeah. This was the first time they did the retro, the original tab, which had Nike Air on it. Oh, okay. It's, it's so fascinating that there's so many incarnations and the evolution of these yep. shoes and what they've meant to to um to culture so like talk about sort of some of the big the big brands whether it's nike adidas asics puma what do they each kind of mean something different in culture right now and like what well, do they stand for asics because asics and onitsuka are the same brand essentially onitsuka okay. came from japan uh and the cool thing about those guys is that they they started nike essentially because when he started selling shoes um is he um not Mark Parker. The founder of Asics? No. Oh, I know who you're talking about. <laughs> this is celebrity. Bill Bowerman? No. Bill Bowerman was the guy who designed the shoes. Yeah. Him and along with Mark Parker started Nike. Yeah, I said Mark right? Parker. Yeah, okay. Yeah. But no, no, no. Who, you said the guys that started Nike. Yeah, you were just so Mark Parker, Asics. Mark Parker started Nike. Yeah. Uh, he started Blue Ribbon Sports, for, actually, initially. Okay. Uh, and he started it by being just a... He was just a retailer of shoes. He was mm-hmm. just a guy who imported shoes from Japan, from Otsuka, uh, for his region. And he sold them out of a van. And that's how he started selling. And to be quite honest, he, the Nike wouldn't exist if he would have been granted the opportunity. Because there was a retailer, there was a, there was an agent that handled Onitsuka for a vast majority of the states. He got a small region that didn't really affect this guy. Mm-hmm. And as he got bigger and the shoe brand got bigger and this... Like that shoe there was uh, the Onitsuka Tiger uh, was the 66 Mexico race like sprinter shoe okay. at the time uh, that's what inspired the the, the, the Cortez mm-hmm. the Cortez is what Bill Bowerman designed basically gotcha that was the first Nike yeah was that the one with the jagged on the bottom yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. it was a sprinter shoe at the yeah. time and yeah. so and if you look at that compared to the the uh, Onitsuka Tiger 66 edition mm-hmm. um, 
they're very similar. There's, they're very similar in a lot of ways. Right. He introduced, obviously, adding a different, a more of a midsole to it to give more comfort and to kind of increase like the longevity of the shoe and the comfort and the cushion to the person's sole mm-hmm. of their feet so they didn't get as tired and as sore. But yeah, that was kind of, so he basically wasn't able to keep renewing his contract to keep selling these Antsukas and Blue Ribbon Sports became Nike. So then he brought in Bowerman, Parker and Bowerman. He, he used to run him. for Bowerman. And, oh, okay. so, and then while he was running for him, uh, Bowerman was a legendary track field coach, yep. right? And he used to, and he and Bowerman was known for, uh, um, was known for like kind of taking shoes and like kind of not cobbling new shoes, but mm-hmm. like adjusting shoes. Well, and, like, he did, and that's what he did for Tinker, yep. right? Oh yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. And he was kind of known for like tinkering with the shoes, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then Tink, yeah, and uh, that's kind of how it started. Those two started the whole brand, Cortez, and everything's kind of spiraled since then. Mm-hmm. Tink. But what? like, but like now in in current times, like what you know, what does Nike stand for? What is what does Adidas stand for? Like, do they have their own company philosophies that kind of permeate through the whole thing, or do they have you know departments that each shoe or each style or each pattern like says something different and appeals to a different audience? I think they definitely are trying to go and appeal. You want? I think they're trying to appeal broad. They're not broad spectrum. But I think they're trying to have separate areas of their kind of. Uh, of their designs to appear to different to appeal to different audiences mm-hmm. to grab a portion of every audience mm-hmm. um, based on kind of how I feel about the shoes uh, it's funny the philosophy uh, you talk about with Adidas they just released that by 2022 mm-hmm. they're going to do 100% recycled plastics in everything that means in the shoes in their offices like everything they use will be will be 100% recycled plastic what's interesting about that because they've been doing the Parley, the Parley uh, collaborations for a while, which are all recycled plastics. Is that the ones with kind of like the speckled colors throughout? It depends, like yeah. Like, yeah. Well, each each kind of each year has had different kind of like uh, small things that have kind of again. That's kind of part of the in ten years mm-hmm. when you look back on the Parleys, the year that had the specs, which is this year's, mm-hmm. um, which has like a bit of like the kind of reflective parts to the shoe. That'll be the 2018s that you'll remember. Right. And this is how things get distinguished later on in life. You're like, well, those were the ones that were released in this year. Right. The first Parleys came out were dark blue with a light blue kind of stitched heel cut. Why do they call them the Parleys? The Parley was the brand that does the recycling of the ocean plastic. Oh, okay. So they is that a collaboration or, yeah. did, it, or did Adidas buy that company? I don't know if they've bought them. I know, but I know initially they worked with Parley, mm-hmm. and the whole mission behind Parley was to use recycled plastics in everyday mm-hmm. goods and to get plastic out of the ocean. Um, so it's really neat to hear that they're going to change that. Right. But what I hear when I hear that is not just that they're like it's great that they're getting plastic out of the ocean and reusing it. Plus two, like think about how you can cut down on cost on goods. Right. You're not paying for that. You're just harvesting it. So you're not paying to get plastic now. You're just harvesting old plastic and reusing it. Right. However, the actual like the structure of the plastic itself when it's been broken down and remade and then broken down and remade because that will be happening maybe not in the next five years mm-hmm. but you know in 10 15 years you're going to ha- start having plastics that have been broken down and reused multiple times right how is that going to adjust how the piece of footwear itself kind of stays together what's right. what's the integrity of that plastic exactly now? it becomes compromised because absolutely yeah for every every incarnation of it right yeah that's interesting. So you think that the Adidas shoes or whoever ends up starting to go this route of recycled plastic will, will start to last um, shorter and shorter periods? I don't know if that's what I don't know if that's what's going to happen. That's the kind of the interesting about it. You don't know if is that going to make it last less, mm-hmm. or will it just 
mean they have to kind of adapt to it and change how they build the shoe right. to accommodate the fact that this plastic perhaps in certain areas is weaker mm-hmm. due to the fact that it's been recycled and broken down right. multiple times. Or perhaps they start a program in which you can you can bring in your old pair of Adidas and they'll they'll revamp and give you a new pair for half off or something. Something like that, yeah. Something there's like that. there's this the whole idea behind it's awesome. Do you think other companies are gonna fall in line with that? I think so, yeah. I think you'll see a lot of people doing some form of it in some kind of aspect of the whole. Has anyone come out and said that they would? I don't think so. No. Um, but yeah, so but yeah, so Asics is a is a massive brand. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they have some sweet shoes. Like the Gel Light 3 is still a shoe that sneakerheads all around will still like I look at Gel Light 3s and they're such a great silhouette. They look so good. Mm-hmm. The lines on them are great. Like it's a it's a shoe that now you get a lot of collaborations again where people are changing the colors of it mm-hmm. and they're getting their own little designs behind it. Um, Haven in Canada gets to redesign a bunch of shoes. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really sad that Edmonton lost their Haven. That was a great store. That's the one you told me to go to in Toronto, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. They have one. They had one Toronto, one Vancouver, one Edmonton, mm-hmm. and then unfortunately, uh, it went away. It went away. Yeah. Um, it's well, so for someone like you who is obviously incredibly attuned to this kind of stuff and and uh, you obviously put a lot of thought into your shoes and, and style and what it means to you and what it projects about you. What do you think it says about the average person and their shoe choice? Like Because the average person will go and look at a wall and just kind of intuitively pick something. Do you think that choices would be altered by knowing more about the shoe? Or do you think that intuitive choice, knowing more just justifies that intuitive choice? I think, well, definitely knowing more about shoes, knowing more about anything, I think makes you more intuitive to what you're picking and changes what your choice is going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, think about when you were, before you drank wine and you started drinking wine, you'd walk in and go, that label looks great. And mm-hmm. you'd snag that and go, as you learn more about wine, you start realizing, holy crap, they have that nice bottle of that, that nice label because they don't want me knowing what's in the bottle. Right. Um, and then you started picking based on what you're preferences were what you liked a region you like i think it'd be similar to shoes but a lot of people don't care what they're wearing Mm -hmm. it's not necessarily you could tell them all they want they don't care to learn which Mm -hmm. is fine Mm -hmm. but they don't care what they're wearing they don't look at uh footwear perhaps as an extension of their outfit and to be fair in canada we don't like obviously you don't wear shop you know shoes inside right so yeah a lot of places in the world do yeah which is weird to me i feel like i would be so it's dirty I, whether it's wet and snowy it's yeah, still dirty I feel like right? I feel it'd be disgusting um, but yeah so people don't look at shoes as necessarily a extension of their outfit perhaps mm-hmm. or if they do they're so the they're so guided by these rigid definitions of what dress clothing is and they look at anything trendy or anything different to that as that's the wrong way to wear it mm-hmm. look at Joe Bastianich on MasterChef every single episode he's one of the best to watch because every episode he has new sneakers on they're always brand new and does, he's always wearing a suit. Does he talk about them? No. No? Never. But you notice them. Every time. I've noticed that for years. I've noticed, I noticed that the very first episode. The first thing I notice when someone walks in a room is shoes. So is that is that the question you'd ask him if you ever met him? Like, so tell me about your shoes. Yeah, I would ask him to make me some pasta and talk about shoes. So the shoes is something you first notice on a person? Every time. I've, guy, I've and, guy and girl? Guy and girl. Um, I'm off, I think often a lot of the times um, I'll notice shoes before I even notice like whether it like I'll know like you'll notice it's a guy or a girl but I'll ne- I won't even notice what their face looks like or hair color mm-hmm. I'll always gravitate to shoes first mm-hmm. especially if it's something um, kind of more prominent 
Right. If someone's wearing generic, you know, if, a, if a, you walk, see a girl walk into a room and she's wearing a generic boot, I don't... Or, or that classic Adidas. Or yeah, it, you know what I mean? But if they walk in with something like a Stan Smith mm-hmm. or they walk in with some superstars or they walk in with a pair of Nikes or some Jordans or something like that, I'll notice that from the get-go. I'll notice that when I walk into a room and I'm taking my shoes off, I'll, I'll pick that out yeah. most of the time because... Honestly, it's a cool pair of shoes in a sea of the same old stuff. Right. Have you ever walked into a party, seen a bunch of shoes at the door, seen a cool pair, and then tried to paint them to whoever's no, in the house? No, I've never done that. that I, didn't do, I didn't do the house party thing as a kid, though. No. I didn't do tons of that. Um, however, uh, we were playing, I play on a rec soccer team, mm-hmm. and we were playing down, and on the team we were playing, one of the, the coaches of the team, or the guy who's the, the head guy on the team, whatever, said one of these guys on this team has scored like 15 or 16 goals. He's only one player that scored all their goals pretty much. Right. He's like, I think it's that guy. And he points to a guy that looks fit. He's mm-hmm. tall. But I look, I'm like, it's not him. Mm-hmm. He's like, what do you mean? I was like, no, I guarantee it's not him. I said, it's that kid. He's like, no, he's skinny and tiny. And like, he's like pretty like average looking. I was like, I guarantee you it's him. He's like, how do you know? I said, because the guy you pointed out has a pair of like generic Pumas from like 2000 that mm-hmm. clearly are haven't been worn and they would cost him 40 bucks the first time he bought them mm-hmm. and he uses them for rec-, rec league five times a year mm-hmm. so that guy's got a pair of 330 dollars legends that he bought about two weeks ago so guarantee it's him turns out it was him you were right so it's one of those things and that was kind of always the thing too when i was playing soccer to me i was so in i was so excited by seeing other people the, the colors people chose the shoes people chose that we'd be playing and half the time I'm on the field if I'm not playing or if it's like a, if, if it's a, a free kick or a foul or a change or a, I'm staring at people's shoes and I'm noticing what people have mm-hmm. so then when you would talk about the game afterwards I couldn't necessarily tell you what the guy looked like right but I can tell you that the guy in the in the in the Pumas the V1s like yeah he had the Phantoms or the Vapors yeah he was like, I'm like he was the one he was like going around everybody and that was how I always kind of equated people like mm-hmm. that's how I remember people mm-hmm. I'm horrible with names I've been horrible with names my whole life um, but shoes, I could tell you certain shoes people have had. What um, have I had? Well, I know you have the, uh, <laughs> the. I know you have the ideas, the pods. Yeah. Um, which I didn't. I didn't support those. I don't like the look of those ones. They're too wide the base. Yeah, they're not. Not my favorite pair of ever. But you wear a lot of black Converse, all blacks. So but you wear the high top ones. No, I've I've owned both the high and the low. I've only seen the high tops. Then. The uh, the high, yeah. It's kind of whatever's in stock that like I find I'm most just drawn to. Yeah. There's no like particular look, although. With this last pair of Adidas that I bought. Now um, you look at things. Now I look at things, 100%. Yeah. I literally left the store, and as soon as I walked out, I saw a guy in a pair of uh, Air Max 270s. Absolutely. And I was like, those are pretty sweet. Yeah. And I just start to notice, and it's funny because it kind of tells you a little bit, a minute amount about someone before you meet Absolutely them. Absolutely, right? it does. If someone's got a unique pair, and you're Absolutely. like, because before I'd be like, I'd just think, oh, those are flashy or those are stupid, but I'm like, oh, I put thought into buying those shoes. Absolutely, and that's yeah. the thing. Like, there's so much. There's so much uniqueness to a shoe, and there's so many reasons why someone would buy it. Mm-hmm. I tend to buy shoes. Um, I don't like a wide base on mine. Mm-hmm. I don't like when the midsole kind of flares out from the actual bottom of the shoe. Um, but it's neat to see what shoes people buy to put with an outfit. Right. Also, too, people that buy people that actually have some thought in their shoe, whether it's a lot or a little. When you first meet them, to me, it's the first thing I see, but it's also the first thing I'm ever going to comment on. Right. If someone's got a rad pair of shoes or a pair of shoes that was really wicked way back in the day, mm-hmm. and maybe they've just worn them, which is awesome because a lot of people buy shoes and don't wear them. Right. 
to me, that's the thing I can comment on. And that's a, the first kind of like level we can connect on mm -hmm. because I know the shoe. I generally, I know the shoe. You're signaling, right? You're signaling like that. This is something that I like. And if you like, we have something in common and there's an instant bond with you. Absolutely. And I mean, one you're of the a personal things, guy. So I'm a personal that, guy, but like, that makes of, sense as a strategy for you. One of the things that's always been easy for me is like, there's a lot of people out there that are like personality types are more closed off. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I've, I've I'm not as closed off. Um, but also too, it's really easy to kind of, if you can't understand someone, you can at least tell, let them understand you right from the get go. Right. And then at least they have a very clear understanding of who you are, what you want, what you like, things you notice, all that sort of stuff. Right. Also too, like when you see someone with a sweet pair of shoes, with dress shoes, whatever, like the eye of the detail, like, and you can see it. Cause like typically that's an accent to the, to the outfit. It, it adds to it. Mm -hmm. And you can see kind of how they piece their things together because everything I always believe starts from the bottom up. I literally pick outfits based on the shoes I want to wear. That fundamentalist. And then I go, and then the rest kind of falls together. Have you ever asked someone to take off their shoes so you could see them and look at them? Oh, all the time. Really? Oh, yeah. Not usually like in person because like if you're walking down the street, you can't just like have a pair of socks floating like while you really hover. not in person. If not in person, but like not like like if, a, if I ran video into chat, you, you video chatting no, like if, with if these I other ran, if, I'm saying if I ran down the ran into you on the street, yeah. I wouldn't do it there. Yeah. But like if we're somewhere where we're sitting down, I definitely look at them and, and we're I'll sitting ask them. have a bar at the beer or beer at the bar. You'd be oh, like, yeah, take I, off your shoe. Let me see them. I brought them. Uh, I've done that all the time. <laughs> I, I made one of our one of the, I made Ryan at the restaurant yeah. stand there with one shoe on so I could walk around in his shoe. And how was it? Oh, Air Jordan cool. 3s. Air Jordan 3s. True Blues. Those are, uh, yeah, those ones to me stick out the most. Out of those, all the that's, the, that's that shoe that everyone kind of looks back on. Yeah. Like, it's the one you remember that's not the Air Jordan 1. Mm -hmm. uh, the 11s are always very popular. 13s are popular. And no um, one liked the 15s. The 15s. <laughs> Actually, I do know a guy that likes the 15s. He had the Ray Lewis edition 15s. Oh, okay. Yeah. Did he like the 15s or did he just like Ray Lewis? He liked both. Okay. Uh, Andrew Zavarusha had... Uh, he had rail. He was a big Ray Lewis fan, mm -hmm. and he was a big. He was a ball player, and so he loved Jordans. Yeah. And the Air Jordan Fifteen, which would have been two thousand and one, I want to say maybe two thousand and two. Okay. Did they start in nineteen eighty three? Nineteen eighty three, but yeah. they had three years of ones, two years of twos, and then they started kind of adding. Wow, you know your fucking Jordans. Um, but yeah, no. Um, he had the Fifteens. Yeah. Um, and he was telling me uh, that he. Uh, he had them, and I was telling him how much I hated that goddamn shoe. That was the shoe that like ended it for Tinker too. Well, no, no, that's not the shoe that ended it for him. That's the shoe that he ended it himself. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, that's the shoe that he looked at after he'd produced it and was like, "This isn't my best work." And he felt that he was being overworked. He was just literally designing uh, Jordan after Jordan after Jordan, and was like fried at that point. Well, it's it's unbelievable to think that like his whole career for that period of time is dedicated to one guy and like it was but it wasn't like he designed the one mm -hmm. he also designed the, i thought he didn't come into the three no he designed the the air max zero was a knit no the air the, sorry the air max one yeah not the air not the air jordan oh, okay gotcha. so he designed the air jordan one yeah but initially air max one yeah air, yeah air max I said one. air jordan oh, that's sorry. why i was confused I'm sorry he designed the Air Max 1, mm -hmm. but initially the Air Max 1, actually, his first design was what the Air Max 0 is now. Oh, okay. So when they came out on uh, Air Max Day mm -hmm. a couple years ago. Air Max Day? What it, day is that? May, uh, March 26th. Okay. Uh, he released the yellow uh, Air Max Zeros, because mm -hmm. that was the year the Air Max Zero got released. Mm -hmm. And that was his initial sketch, was how the Air Max Zero looked, was how the Air Max 1 was going to look, and then they changed it to what the Air Max 1 is now. Okay. 
But the cool thing about those guys is those were all performance footwear at the time. Right. The Air Max 1 was brought as a marathon shoe. Right. No one had really done thick midsoles like that before, and they had just come out with the bubble, and he was the one that said, let people see the bubble. Yeah. And so they brought out the Air Max 1. Yeah, that 1. was revolutionary. They yeah. thought everyone thought it was going to flop. Because no one knew what the bubble was. Mm-hmm. They talked about it. They talked about the air bubble, but how can you know what something is if you can't see it? Right. Um, and so, yeah, so he brought out that. So the Air Max 0 actually would have been the one originally. Yeah. Well, but back to the 15s for a second, because I think it's like, it's just really cool to think that like everyone hates him and it it's reflective of such a, the emotion he put such into a it. dark time in his Absolutely. life. Absolutely. Isn't that when Bowerman passed away yep. and, and things And it just, affected him big time. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like even in the doc, he was like crying about it. And, yeah. And it's just like, it's, it's wild to think like how much of these, desi- how much these designers of themselves put into these shoes. Right? Oh yeah. And like you look at, um, and then no one, like no one really knows until the story comes out down the line. Right. Totally. Like, like they don't release neat. a, like a pamphlet with each. No. Shoe, and right? it's, it's, and they, they, you kind of get those, like you get the box and, and when it comes to, like an air Jordan or like a, sp- a specific, like specialty shoe, they'll usually give you like a little blurb about it that says something, but they don't give you like the background to it. And that's what always been interesting to me because you look at it, and once you hear him speak about some of those shoes, um, you hear him and then you can you look at the shoe and you look at it completely differently. You look mm-hmm. at the design and you're mm-hmm. like, when I, is it the Air Jordan? I think it's the nines, the ones that had the baseball glove. Looking, look one to him and he has the, the hands on them. And he said he literally designed it as if he put his hand on the bottom because he wanted to give Jordan more lateral support. Right. So how he did that was he took small little vamps on the side of the outside of the shoe by the forefoot right. where he's pivoting on his feet. Oh, that's um, where the claws were kind of coming yeah. up. Yeah. And he said he the way he described it to him was, I wanted to put my hand on the bottom of your foot and hold it in the shoe more. Yeah. And so you look at that and all of a sudden you kind of step back and it looks like fingers on the one side holding his foot in. It's insane. Yeah, it's really cool. And then yeah. you look at um, the 13s and that's the like the the black cats mm-hmm. and again in the in the documentary he talks about how Jordan's like no one's I never told you people used to call me Black Panther and like, yeah he's black like, cat yeah and then he goes well he didn't just call it that though because of Jordan he called it because he he uh, emulated the bottom of the sole and the grips mm-hmm. on the pads of a of a cat's feet mm-hmm. but he did that because watching Jordan play he seemed like a yeah, cat, yeah, right? yeah reactive wise he looked like a cat but yeah. yeah he but he based the whole bottom and so you look at that then and so initially people will sometimes go well, what's the difference between this shoe and this shoe mm. and then you kind of hear like the levels of of work and that's where the cost of a shoe comes into mm. it because think about how much he did to design this think of a concept think of a concept that made sense that worked actually in a technological and, and sport basis and then work it into a piece of footwear yeah it was so cool and so like when you when i go into when i go into stores now like that's what i love looking at i love looking at new shoes and you just kind of hold them and see kind of how's it look like mm-hmm. top down how's it mm-hmm. look by the side what does the grip do what do they change right player editions are always fun too because what does it say about that player and his style and his philosophy and absolutely all and like how they change the retail model for the player too sometimes what do you mean russell westbrook for instance um before he got his why nots his the russell westbrook line he was a, he's a jordan player and he was playing um the 30s at the time mm-hmm. um but he didn't like the bottom the sole of the 30 so he got them to put the 29s sole mm-hmm. onto the 30 uh you see it in soccer all the time yeah. certain players uh they they fall in love like fernando toddy was uh a perfect sorry Francesco Totti one was a perfect example of it uh he basically took an old uh air zoom 90 mm-hmm. 
from 2001 or two, I think when it first came out. And that soul, the Interact soul, was the one he played with his entire career. They didn't make that after that. They made soul after soul after soul, new stud pattern after new stud pattern. But that's the one he liked and was comfortable with. Right. And so that's the one that they glued to the bottom of his shoes, regardless of which model it was on. Right. So just his personal one. Yeah. Oh. And then there's a lot of players, for instance, that I'll use. Um, like Magistas were a, were a shoe that they had a few different uh, editions of. And a lot of those guys, those came out with conical soles, but a lot of them would take the sole from the Tiempo, which mm -hmm. is more of a standard style. Um, but they liked the fit of that and the feel of that more. So tons of players would sit there and they'd ask for that sole on their shoe. Right. So regardless of what the upper was, a lot of players that have synthetic shoes or the shoe is sold as synthetic in a retail version, mm -hmm. um, they'll get leather versions of it. You'll see a lot of them with... That's more durable. It holds up better. It's more No, supportive. it's just pre like preference on feel. Oh, okay. Synthetic arguably is a better is a better material, especially mm -hmm. wet and especially with uh, like weight because mm -hmm. leather absorbs water. Synthetic does not. Right. Um, there's a lot of reasons why synthetic was designed. Also, it's obviously doesn't hurt cows, doesn't hurt animals. Um, but yeah, it changed kind of... They change how they want that. You'll see a lot of players playing shoes that visually look the same as what you'd buy in the retail store. Right. But, but technologically completely wise, different. completely different. Right. So that was always really neat for me too. And that's what kind of, I remember back in the day, I used to buy like the 442 magazine mm -hmm. and I'd literally flip through I, a relevant of all the articles. I just wanted to see, because that was the only time you could get snapshots of what the players were playing in action. Right. And that's when you could sit there and I would talk to my friends. They'd hate it. And, I just, <laughs> and I'd bug them. Uh, and I'd sit there and put it together and try yeah. to figure out who's playing what, why. Right. Yeah. That's that's interesting. You're incredibly dorky, but massive. Yeah. Oh yeah. I, I think it's I think it's cool that you that you found something that you're so kind of enamored by. And I think um, you're right. Like knowing the story behind something kind of always deepens that fascination Absolutely. with it, right? Like like anything, even like the you know the philosophy behind a certain drink or why yep. something's put together. Like it's just. It just makes people appreciate it more. I think when you yeah, when you understand something and understand the the reasons, and I've always been the kind of guy that asks why things are what they are. Like, mm -hmm. why do you do it that way? And to me, once you understand the whys, mm -hmm. it starts to be really interesting to find because like, you understand what happens, and then yeah, you have more of a background to something, and then you can figure out whether that works for you. Especially mm -hmm. when it comes to footwear, does that piece, does that idea work? to make me a better soccer player? Do I feel more comfortable in the shoes, less comfortable in the shoes? Do I mm -hmm. like them more? Do I like the look of them more? Right. All that sort of stuff. So do you ever see a place for you um, in this in this industry? Like, I'd love to. Just like being the one that creates, these, not creates the narratives, but, but translates the narrative to the customer. Like, because most, like you said, most people have no idea. They look at a shoe and they go, oh, it's an ugly color, or I like that color. Or, they don't think about the stitching or the, the, yeah. the you know, and you go to, the average place that people buy shoes, like a Foot Locker or a Foot Locker is really good now. Sport Check is the ones I think where there's the less emphasis, and even now people are starting to like more people are appreciating footwear, yeah. more sneakers. I did actually notice when I was at Foot Locker, the guys were pretty knowledgeable. Oh yeah, I said like this is the difference between these two, and this is what you might notice. And yeah, actually this shoe is like this, but with a smaller base. And yeah, and that was and that was kind of what I did when I was in the in golf town, and mm -hmm. I you know I was the top salesman in Canada for well Nike footwear, but most our store was the number one footwear yeah. golf town in Canada and it was always I think in like that's kind of how I've always like attributed like gone forward with sales is I want to tell you the reasons behind all these things so you need a blog or a podcast I would love to you need multiple podcasts I need multiple it. podcasts you need to be a full time podcaster <laughs> just that's every what day yeah. just talk all day just yeah. on the radio talk about beer coffee shoes what else do you got 
hockey. No, I can't do much hockey. I don't. No. I don't. I haven't really. Like, I left. I left. I stopped working with the Oilers, and I didn't really watch many games after that. Mm. Yeah. Uh, not for any reason. I got. I spent too much time watching NFL and soccer. So there you go. Soccer time. and football. I really appreciate a sport that has one day a week. Yeah. I like that. That to me is what I can invest my time in. Yeah. Fair and enough. And then I can forget about it for five days. Yeah. Well, if you follow one team, if you follow the league, then you get. Well, no, days. the league, but even like football, for example, you have Thursday, you have Monday, sure, but essentially the majority of your action right. happens Sunday. Yeah. So I invest my time into making sure I'm aware of Sunday, mm-hmm. watch what happens, get the highlights, do all that sort of stuff, and then I can forget about it. Monday mm-hmm. night's on; it's on in the background. Maybe right. the Bengals are playing. They won yesterday. <laughs> Did they? Yeah. Huh? That's good. Who's your team? Bengals. Bengals. Good That's why we got. Uh, for, oh, the Bengals colors. colors. Very nice. Well, Sam, we've uh, we talked for an hour and fifteen. Hour fifteen. I thought that. Okay. You thought it would get longer. You got more to say. This is not a subject that I'm ever. I, I ever stop on. What are you eyeing right now? What's your next pair? I do want a pair of two seventies, really bad. Yeah. Uh, I really want to just step in. I love the look. Again, maybe the, we'll go and try and get like a buy one get one fifty percent off. Do they do that anywhere? Sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes. Uh, yeah. The. Are you gonna check out any stores while you're here, or does Calgary have better stores? Uh, well, we do. So here, the like actually the like one of the best stores that you can go to for footwear in general mm-hmm. this is a free plug is Foosh mm-hmm. Foosh is incredible mm-hmm. uh, their model and they've been around for forever Rob and Justin have created a really I think a really unique shoe experience well footwear and, and clothing and the whole experience itself they originally back in the day used to have DJs spinning they had a recording studio yeah. where is Foosh? on White Ave White Ave right underneath Beer Cade Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. I've never been in there before. It's the best. Okay. They're also they're all kind of like me. Like they're all sneakerheads that want to chat shoes, and I definitely went in and used to just sit there and talk shoes and <laughs> talk about Listen, ideas. Are you gonna buy anything or what? Oh no, I've I've bought a handful of shoes from them, but uh, part of it is like the whole culture of being able to come in and just sit down. Yeah. Um, they're really good. Uh, the guys at Less on Seventeen in Calgary are really good. They're really one of the only. Calgary stores that's uh, kind of had any staying power. Them at Lexington Ave is a bit different because they are resale mm-hmm. predominantly, but uh, but yeah, a lot of the Calgary shoe company shoe stores, I should say, and and, and kind of streetwear, clothing wear, all that sort of thing, uh, have gone and talked to Justin and Rob mm-hmm. to try and kind of not copy, but to like find out why they're so successful. Because even Haven and Haven's super popular and super profitable in Vancouver and in Toronto, but they came to Edmonton and did not survive and mm-hmm. did not thrive. Mm-hmm. I think their location sucked. Um, they were behind Grant Mack at the time. Yeah. It, great That's store. Terrible. Yeah, it was a gorgeous store. Uh, really nice. Um, I just don't think it was great. The parking was terrible. It's um, just not a very shoe friendly city. Yeah. Either, right. Like, like it is though mucky. because it's mucky for like eight months of the year totally um just buy some jason marks and clean them up uh, what are those jason marks is cleaning oh yeah so you can buy uh crep and jason marks are the two that are kind of like the they're cleaning products yeah and then a lot of them will come with like a hydrophobic spray which okay. blends a lot of it does i wouldn't do with leather i always thought that was bullshit like they no. go to foot locker and they try and sell you this no it's they incredible okay i've had i've had if you have decent spray mm-hmm. Um, I've had shoes from spring that I have like a dress shoe that I'm going to beat up over the winter because again it's salty and everything. Yeah. You give those a handful of sprays, like one spray a month, for mm-hmm. and the salt stains never show up. Unreal. On garbage shoes. Yeah. Shoes that are designed to fall apart really quickly and right. are priced at forty dollars a piece. All right. Um, Free tips all over the place. But uh, but yeah, Jason Marks. You got the hydrophobic spray that you get with Jason Marks. Like mm-hmm. I actually, it's the first time I've ever actually seen it in action. I just cleaned my shoes. Um, I had a pair of, like, they had a white, like, they have the white uh, neoprene sole on them. Mm-hmm. And we went for a walk, and me, Finn, and Christina were walking, went to go get coffee. And on the way back, 
I literally stepped in a pile of mud. Yeah. And and the commercials, they show you the water beating right off of it. They show you like someone throwing ketchup on it. It just slides right <laughs> off chocolate. It's the messiest human being yeah. alive. <laughs> and it just kind of slides right off. There's not even a streak. Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, I, one day I want to see if it works. And I kid you not, I stepped in a like a muddy puddle with yeah. mud everywhere. Mm-hmm. And I picked my shoe up and I watched the mud fall off. It just fell right off. And my shoe retained as clean as it was when I started that mm-hmm. that walk that day. Yeah. And I, I, I'm not gonna lie to you, I, I yelled at Christy. I was like, well, look at this. <laughs> I stepped in it a few more times. Like I was so pumped because it was such a neat thing to see. Um, but Jason and Mark's hydrophobic. Jason Mark's. Jason Mark's. They have the, they have like uh, they sell that at Foosh, so yeah. go down there and buy it. They mm-hmm. they sell a little starter pack, which is a cleaner and a spray mm-hmm. and a brush. Um, and then like the crep is the same kind of idea. Crep protect is again same idea. Hydrophobic. You get a little case that I got last time. Mm-hmm. I got that. See, that's what Christina got me for Christmas. And of all the gifts she got me, I was the most excited to just go grab all my dirty shoes and clean them again. You're an interesting cat, man. <laughs> Appreciate it. That's awesome. Well, that's a lot of good, uh, useful information for people, and hopefully it inspires uh, everyone to step up their shoe game a little bit. And, I would uh, love that. Yeah? Yeah. Be a more interesting place in the world if people had interesting add me on, shoes. Uh, add me on Instagram. Tag me in your shoe purchases. <laughs> Free plug all over the place. That's What's right. your Instagram? Ocho Samo. Ocho Samo. Yeah. Sam Lofstrand. I like your name because you can make it rhyme with anything and sound cool, like Sneaker Sam Lofstrand. Yeah. Right? It's perfect. Yeah. Sneaker Sammy. Secret Sam, no, Secret Sam Lostrand. Okay. It's got a good syntax to it. Is that? that it flows. That's, 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 that's your official flow. handle. That's my official handle. And that's what handle? your podcast will be called. Secret Sammy? Secret Sam Lostrand. <laughs> Secret Sammy's not going to work, so I'm trying to make it work. It might. No. We'll have, uh, we'll put it to the voters. I would love to get a podcast where I talk about shoes. What are you doing tonight? I don't know. Start a podcast? I might. Just no go, time like the present. No time like the present. Can I borrow all your stuff? Yeah, Done. do it right now. Deal. We'll just turn mine off and start yours. <laughs> <laughs> we can do a collab. There you go. Yeah. All right, Sam. Thanks, brother. See you next time. Bye. Next year. <laughs> oh, yeah, you have to wait a year again? <laughs>